what do you do? I'm a PhD oncologist. They're like, oh, he's a sad face. <laughs> and like, and then they walk away from you. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to that guy. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin. Have you ever wondered what it's like to take care of patients who have cancer? And what if that patient is a pediatric patient, a child who has cancer? Taking care of those patients on a regular basis must have some notable challenges. So on today's episode, we're going to talk to a pediatric oncologist, someone who specializes in children with his subspecialty being sarcoma. His name is Dr. Alexander Chow. Alex works in New York City. He's a great friend of our family. His two kids also happen to be best friends of my two kids. So it's just awesome and wonderful to have him as a guest on this podcast. A little bit about Alex. He received his undergraduate degree at University of Pennsylvania with a specialty in biology. He then went into Cornell University Medical College where he got his MD degree. He did an internship in pediatrics at New York Presbyterian Hospital Wheel Medical Center and did his pediatric hematology oncology fellowship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. After his fellowship, he stayed on as an instructor and assistant professor at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. In the last three years, he's now been at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine Children's Hospital at Montefiore, where he's an associate professor and medical director and clinical director for the Division of Pediatric Hematology Oncology. He would soon be transitioning in February of 2021 as a director of clinical services for pediatric oncology at Will Cornell. And he's very much an, an academic clinician and physician. He not only takes care of patients, but also teaches medical students, residents, and fellows. He's very involved in research. He's put out a number of papers and several book chapters. And of course, has a number of administrative duties as well. So before we jump into this interview and conversation, check out my Instagram account, Dr. Richard Marn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. And if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, then please rate us on whatever app you use or listen to. And I'd love to hear feedback from you if, if there's any way that I could help improve this podcast for you. Okay, let's jump into this conversation with Alex. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Alex, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uncle Rich. Uncle Rich. Uncle well, Rich. Uncle Rich. That's, that's how we know you as, Dr. Richard. How do we know each other? We live in the same building. Oh, my God. So I think... Right. I th- you do look familiar. I thought I saw you the other day. Right. Right. <laughs> well, so yes. people listening, Uncle Alex's kids are best buds with my kids and Alex has they a grew boy up together. And girl. I basically grew up together. Yeah. Like, where they could barely walk. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. They met in the mail room, I think. Was it the that's right. Well, I know they've taken pictures there. Is that where they really met? I don't know. That's that's what we say. <laughs> <laughs> well listen, I wanna let's get to the meat of this episode, man. Obviously we've known each other for a long time. We're both in healthcare. But Alex, as I have mentioned in your bio, is a pediatrician that specializes in oncology uh, or cancer. And that's a very, I would think that's a little niche field, especially because you're a specialty within the specialty of yeah. oncology. So, yeah. but anyway, tell me what your, how you describe your career and what you do. I take care of kids with cancer. I always knew I wanted to be a pediatrician. So I always kind of knew I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't always 
think that I would be taking care of cancers. But it was during residency that, you know, through a whole host of different experiences and really meeting this one kid that made me realize that the things I wanted to do with medicine and, and what I'm good at actually in, is encompassed in all of pediatric oncology. So. Mm. But what do you do in pediatric oncology? Uh, you only take care of kids who have cancer. Pretty much. Um, and okay. what kind of cancers are these kids these kids have that you're taking care of? So my particular super specialty is yes. I take care of kids with sarcomas, and these are cancers of the bone and muscle. So that's my particular subspecialty. But in terms of taking care of cancer, the most common type of pediatric cancer are things called leukemias. So these are mm. uh, blood cancers, and that's right. by far, in a way, the most common type. I take care of a type that maybe accounts for a tenth of the kinds of cancers that you see in kids. And most of the time, I mean, kids' cancers are very, very rare. Right? If you think of the number of cases of breast cancer or prostate cancer, all those the other adult types of cancer, there's in hundreds of thousands a year. Right. In kids with cancer, we only see, on the whole, maybe twelve to 15,000 new cases each year. And so it's a very, very s- small subspecialty. The sarcoma patients that you take care of, those are, you take care of other kids with cancers, but mm-hmm. for sarcoma, that's, you'll be one of those people that people get refer you yep. for, refer to you because of taking Correct. care of those case, cases. Tell me what that ex- experience is like taking care of those kids, uh, because I imagine it's sometimes it's disheartening. And yeah, it can be. So, you know, one of the, I think, misconceptions or misnomers about what I do or what, uh, you know, when you go to a social event or meet someone, oh, what do you do? I'm a PhD oncologist. They're like, oh, is it sad face? <laughs> and like, and then they walk away from you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't talk to that guy. <laughs> that kills that the guy, conversation. Right. That guy, that guy has bad stories. <laughs> right. But I think that the truth of it is, you know, in our field, we cure 70 to 80% of all the kids that come to us. And so, you know, 50 years ago, close to 100% of kids when they were diagnosed with cancer died. Now mm-hmm. I can we I I can cure 70 to 80% of them. So it, it it's hard. It's always hard, right? So anyone who talks about having cancer as a child, it's always hard because their life is entirely interrupted. They're, what they imagine their future to be is changed forever, and and that's scary. Yeah. But the truth of it is, nowadays we can cure. Most of the kids that we see. So I get to be part of the team that cures these kids. So mm. they come in with, um, so I'm a sarcoma doctor. So again, these are cancers of the bone and muscles. So they're usually like a lump in their leg. They can't play football. They can't play basketball because their knee hurts or whatever. I work with other specialists and we, you know, give them different medications. We even do surgery. And at the end of usually nine to nine months or so, they're more often than not, cured of their cancer. And they go on and live incredibly fruitful, full lives. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's the best part of your job? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, also, actually, there are a bunch of really great parts of my job. So I get to know these kids and their families. Mm. These are very, you know, as you can imagine, when someone's diagnosed with cancer, it's a very intense time in their lives. And I had the privilege of being a part of that. They, these families allow me into their lives to, 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 to kind of help them. Like I talk to them sometimes daily mm. and I get to be a huge part of their lives for not just the, the treatment part of it, but like I've been invited to kids' graduations, their weddings, you know, I've been sent, you know, pictures of their kids. You know, they started a family after 
which I mean, they, they've sent me their pictures of their kids. And so it's like, it's, you know, so I would say the best part of my job is getting to know these families, but then seeing these kids grow up right. and really, you know, become extraordinary people because this ordeal that they've had to go through really changes them. You know, some of them pursue music to express themselves. Others become doctors. They're like, you know, they've been so changed by this experience that they want to do the same kind of thing and help another child. So, Yeah, that's different than my job. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you make kids feel good. Anesthesiologist? Who's that? I don't remember any anesthesiologist when <laughs> See, I had my surgery. That, so that's, that, that's, so you did your job right, right? <laughs> <laughs> presumably, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Would you say that the least favorite part of the job is what I envision? Probably. If you look at the different subspecialties in pediatrics, so the, the different kinds of medicine or practice in taking care of children, right? Yeah. So there's cardiology, there's the care of the heart, pulmonology, which takes care of the the lungs and you know there's asthma there's all of these things right so pediatric oncology has it's probably the largest share of seeing kids die yeah. so that's probably the hardest part of the job because you know even though the purest 70 to 80 percent there's still that 20 30 percent that we can't that's the hardest part and you know having you know i've been in this for gosh, 18 years mm-hmm. it's you know I, I i've seen my fair share of you lost my fair share of pizza. Yeah. doesn't get any easier, but, you know, uh, thankfully we can cure a good number. So what is your typical day like? Yeah. So I think it depends. So uh, one of the things about this think, field that there's a lot of variety. So meaning that most pediatric oncologists are not in a private practice. So they don't usually are not employed by themselves or, you know, they're not usually a, a small private practice group. They're usually employed yeah. by a hospital. Right, right. And most hospitals, especially in the type of care that we deliver, um, need to be attached to a medical school. So the things that we do are going to be, part of it will be taking care of patients. Part of it is teaching, so teaching medical students, teaching residents, teaching fellows. And these are different kinds of trainees that we see. Mm-hmm. And then we do research. Some of us are in the laboratories doing basic sciences research. Then there's people like me who do what's called clinical research. So research on patients who are testing out new drugs and new ways of treating these cancers. And so each day is a little bit different. So today, I had a clinic day. So I saw patients in my clinic. I saw 20 patients today, mostly with sarcomas. I gave them chemotherapy. I talked to a few that were off treatment. So they are finished their cancer therapy yeah, follow up. for follow-up. Yeah. Right? And then I have a, a bunch of kids that came in for their undergoing active chemotherapy. And then we see patients who are brand new diagnosis. They were just diagnosed with so we see all of that in a, any given day. So today is a clinic day, so I saw them all on the outpatient side. Next week, I'll be on the inpatient service. So when p- kids get admitted to our hospital, I get to take care of them as part of my job duties. And that is an entirely a slightly different way of practicing medicine. Um, when do you usually show up in the morning and when do you usually leave? It depends. So probably I'll probably be at the hospital when I see patients at 7. But then I don't see patients every day. Mm-hmm. When I don't need to see patients, I'm in the hospital by like eight or nine. And usually I'm out of the hospital by like five or six. You know, as you go through training, your ability to kind of dictate your schedule is increased. So when you're an intern or a resident, you mm-hmm. don't get to dictate your right. schedule as much. So you're right, in right. hospital, like you remember, like gosh, you could be at there yeah. like five, five in the morning and don't get home till like 10 at night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're attending or you waltzes in at like, <laughs> Nine <laughs> with this coffee. 
leaves, you know, to go to the golf course at like three. <laughs> and depending which right. specialty you're talking about, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Not my specialty. <laughs> do you, you're on call often, you find? Uh, even on uh, weekends, working late at night? No, not not at this stage. So I'm on call probably one weekend every two to three months. And are you mm-hmm. have to stay in a hospital or you can no. do the work? F- uh, you absolutely, you can go into the hospital, but you can still sleep in your own bed. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I sleep in my own bed. You know, I'll get calls in the middle of the night mm-hmm. from parents or the hospital. Right. But again, that really only happens, you know, once every few months. So you would describe your work-life balance as pretty good or it's it's, it's pretty good I, I i think that in general many of us can dictate our schedule was well enough that we do have a good work-life balance i think that's but it, but it's also something that you know people need to to, to, to watch out for because you know with with medicine there's there's always work to be done yeah. and so it's something that i've been very cognizant of ever since i became an attending because i think that there's always work that i can do but i've chosen to to be sure to place my family above my work. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to do part of it. You know, it doesn't, it's not like I can, I'm perfect balance all the time. Yeah. You know, there are seasons in my life where you kind of be like, oh, you have to be at the hospital more than you have to be at home. Right. But then there are times where you can be and you should, you know, prioritize your family right, right. over your work. So, yeah, but, it's, you know, in general. You alluded to this a little bit early on, but. What are some misconceptions do people have about your career? And so I think, like I said before, it's usually not always sad. It's always it's a mix. There's some really high highs and really low lows. And, mm-hmm. But I do think that in general, there's more highs than there are lows. Got it. Right? But the lows are pretty bad. You know, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. But, the, but the highs, like I said, they were, you know, going to well, one of my favorite times is when this kid that I got to know as a resident. This is before I became an oncologist, but it was kind of, I was still kind of exploring what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took care of this kid who had this really aggressive type of cancer. And I was part of his treatment team because I just helped, helped out. And I got to know him and his family. Thankfully, he was cured. And so about a year after he finished treatment, he and his family invited me and my wife out to dinner. And this, you know, I was a resident. And like, you know, he took us to some fancy Korean place. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, but like, it, but it shows you like the kind of bond that you can have between a family and a physician. So that kind of like made me realize this is something that you know I guess I was I was I was pretty good at. I took care of them, and yeah, you know. And but it also reinforced that you know, it's this kind of bond that I wanted to have with my patients that made me kind of want to go into medicine. Right. And so that's kind of. But you know, it, yeah. Sorry, your, your question was about misconceptions, right? Well, yeah, but you know, that's that. Your answer kind of led me to kind of think about how you got started into oncology. Like, was that the starting point where you started thinking about being an oncologist? I think they planted the, the seed. You know, when I started, see, when I went, started medical school, yeah. so I kind of always knew I wanted to be a pediatrician ever since I think I was eight years old. So I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So everything I did in my life, except for I, I, there, there's a brief detour when I wanted to be a comic book artist, but I didn't piano. So, <laughs> and how old were you then? As in high school. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, I, I took first prize in my senior art show. So, you know, I, I, I could draw. Oh, all right. So, wait, wait. But, why did you, why were you even thinking about pediatrics as a oh, kid? Oh, as a kid, because I love my pediatrician. Like, he. Really? Yeah. That was the reason? Yeah. I'm like, that guy has a cool job. The, the reason I thought he had the coolest job was that in his office, he had all these pictures up on his wall of 
that were drawn for him by his patients. Like, I want a wall like that. I want all those pictures. And so, like, if, if I could be like that guy, I'd get all those pictures. I still don't have that. But, but like, I always thought that, that that was cool. That And then, you know, and, and he was like, he connected really well with the kids. And I think that as time went on, yeah. I think I'm, I'm way better talking with kids than with adults. I, I don't, mm. I, I'm, uh, so I connect a little bit better with kids. And I, and I, you know, I still play video games. I still read comic books. And <laughs> still drawing. I still draw. So like, I still like, I like toys. And so, you know, I, I feel like I'm a child most of the time. But yeah. so like, I've always been drawn to that kind of medicine. And I've always thought that the helping kids was a really important way to contribute to society. To society. I mean, this is late. I mean, I didn't think that that was 10 years old or 8 years old. But like, you know, later on, you know, I just think about, um, you know, in medical school, they go, what is it that I could do, right? I, I could become uh, in, uh, a doctor in internal medicine. Mm-hmm. I thought about being a surgeon for a second, mm-hmm. but I didn't really like that lifestyle. Cause I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that I, I saw any surgeons that were happy or had good work-life balance. Mm-hmm. It's a different mm-hmm. field. Yeah, yeah. And pediatricians in general were pretty much happy most of the time and they were you know fun and cool and they could hang out with kids so i so i always knew i wanted to be a teacher but initially when i was going through medical school and then even in the beginning of residency i thought i want to be a pediatric er doc okay and then i rotated through pediatric er and i was terrible at it i am terrible in the er i can't make those decisions i can't it's i didn't i need like space to think i need mm. things to plan things out so like you know as i realize that about myself right so there are things that i don't i didn't realize about myself until i was put in those situations really? right so even like as I, a medical student yeah even still as a learning medical, about what yeah what you might be good at or not that's right not be good at right and so that you might think you're good at one one thing because you know it's cool or whatever and yeah. you think that you did a little part of it you think oh i'm really good at this but then when you actually become the person who's responsible for doing them i soon realized i was no good at the er yeah, so i had yeah. to kind of shift my idea of what i wanted to do right right uh, uh, before you jump into how you yeah. thought of, you know thought more about that how were you as a what were you like as a high school student and college student were you nerdy were you were you a nerd <laughs> totally nerdy <laughs> you know i i studied a lot i was singularly focused in the getting into medical school oh you were yeah you had you were yeah you were you were like very focused. laser focused right Got it. Um, except for that one little detour yes. right 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 yeah right. But, you actually played with that yeah. idea for a bit yeah yes <laughs> Yeah, no, but but seriously, like I, I was everything I I, I did in my hospital. I worked in a. I shadowed my, my 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 aunt who was a physicist in a radiation oncology. So these are people who plan radiation mm-hmm. treatment. I shat, I shadowed her for for a while. Mm-hmm. Not it wasn't didn't pan out. No, <laughs> not not radiation oncology. You had to learn physics that I didn't understand. So. <laughs> so you're in medical school. You're toying with all these different ideas, and then oncology. Uh, you actually weren't probably even thinking about oncology, no, but you did I, I pediatric so. residency, which is after right. medical school. And during your rotation, you came across this oncology patient who invited you to dinner and your wife. By the way, was that the first time you were ever invited to dinner by a patient? Yes. At that time? Yeah. Because, you know, as a resident, you don't usually, that's not usually yeah. the, the, the that's thing. That's pretty awesome. That, I know. That's pretty awesome. And it was just you and your wife or there yeah. was a consortium no. of different people? No, just me and my wife. Really? Yeah, I know. Wow. And so, you know, that, that, that kid, I still remember the kid's name. So, you know, it, it, it's just. And this yeah. kid brought this family with him too? Yeah. Like his wow. family, his, his, his parents who barely spoke in English, you know, we, we would sit around the, yeah, no, it was great. Wow. Wow. And so that's, again, that started the, the ball to roll towards that fellowship of pediatric oncology. Yeah. 
I see. Yeah. I see. Reflecting back, would you have done anything differently? I don't think so. I don't think so. I really enjoy what I do. You know, I think people think about, oh, should they take time off? And I, I couldn't wait to practice medicine. Hmm. Like I wanted to do the work. Yeah. I still remember, you know, in, um, I don't remember, like, this, this just showed how naive I was. But I remember like the first couple of weeks of internship, I would tell, you know, my then fiance, like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this work. They weren't paying me very much. I remember, I remember, I remember saying that, like, wow. You're, you're naive, but you're enjoying it. You actually yeah, enjoy no, being I mean, there and in the, yeah, in the environment. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, I remember enjoying walking around the halls of the hospital at night because it was quiet mm. and you can get the work done. And like, I really enjoyed that. And I would hang out with my co-residents in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it'd be three o'clock in the morning. It was kind of quiet, and then we sneak off and, and like we would play video games because there was, a, you know, in pediatrics, there's always like a video game console. <laughs> So like we would find it and we go play, <laughs> and everyone's asleep. It's like we'd be playing like NHL <laughs> hockey, like '94. It was awesome. I had fun. Yeah, what well, sounds like it. I mean, and I still have fun now. Like you know, one of my this uh, after I became an attending, like our child life people. So these are specialists that work work with kids. As you, they, you know, they're not medical professionals, but they have some medical background because they've been around um, hospitals often. But one of they, my guests is a child life service specialist. By the time your episode will come out, hers will have been uh, published in September. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they help these kids through, you know, through play, whether it's art or whatever, right? Music and video games. So, like, I'll go play video games with, with these kids. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll play, like, rock band with them. Like, yeah, yeah. Guitar Hero. I'll beat them. But... <laughs> Just make kidding. them feeling good. Just make them feel good. That's all. <laughs> you win one yeah. game, I win another. Yeah. That's that <laughs> No, no, um, it's you know you get to know the kids. You know, that's that's the reason. That. Would you recommend this career for students? I think for the certain for 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 a certain type of student. So as much fun as I've had, right? Just kind of being a pediatrician and kind of hanging out there. Some really the death and dying that we have to handle is hard. It's really really hard. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how well prepared you think you are. Yeah. Telling a parent that their kid is not curable. And you know you're going to have that as an oncologist to 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 often. So I think for some people that's too much, and that's that's fine, right? So yeah. So you, this is kind of like you know as you're trying to figure out what you want to do, right? So you kind of need to know who you are and what you're capable of, right? And so and, and what allows you to kind of what allows you to tick. Yeah. I didn't really know that about myself, but I but I I've been able to kind of because not 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 that many times that I can. That you experience that, right? You know, in most of our lives, we don't have that many experiences before residency or before fellowship where you have these encounters with people in these situations. Right. So I didn't really know that about myself. But I think what I tend to focus on is not the really sad parts, but the the good that we were able to do and the good that we can still do. Maybe not for the patient in front of me that that I can't cure, but for the next patient that comes along, the things I've learned. And so it's, it's, and, and each patient inspires me. Like it, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a privilege, like I said before, to, to be able to work. What do you think the future outlook is like for your profession? I think really bright. In the last five years, we've learned more than the previous five, right? So the kind of It's like an exponential growth. You yeah, think? it is. Really? Yeah. In terms and of then, knowledge? In, ter- in terms of knowledge of, not only just the biology of cancer, and, there, and there's still so much that we don't know. 
but the way we can apply new medications or new techniques. And I think that in the next five years, there will have, there'll be breakthroughs that we can't even conceive of now. Just, just the way we, you know, say five years ago, we, we, we couldn't imagine that we could take a tumor cell, a cancer cell, and know it's, be able to know its genetic makeup. And based on that genetic makeup, predict which medications can be used to kill it. And we didn't really know that. We, we always thought that it was possible, but we didn't really We didn't have now, evidence for it. Right. But now you can take a patient's tumor, and in two weeks, you would know what mutations were there, what was wrong with the cells. And sometimes you can find a medication just for that particular type of tumor. And that really wasn't readily available five years ago. Some specialized places had it, but it wasn't readily available. Now it's fairly available. And so like, I think those kinds of advances show that you know, we're learning a lot about biology of these cancers as well as how to take care of them. Do you think the cure rate will get better with time? Or do you think there's a ceiling uh, that there's really some cancers yeah. just, you know, your, your, your outlook is just not going to be great. There have been. So, you know, if you look at, you know, even though I talk about these, these exciting advances in cancer therapy mm-hmm. over the last five, 10 years, the truth is that we, we have already hit a ceiling in pediatric oncology, right? So this 80% cure rate probably was there 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay. Okay. And so, and that's using the typical chemotherapy that we use, these medications that we use, right? And so now we're discovering how to use newer medications that are not chemotherapy in, in the effort to cure these kids. And so I do expect that over the next five or 10 years, we'll, we'll learn more about these medications and be able to use them in a smarter sense so that we can, I think it'll be incremental improvements in cure rates. Because I think that we're, you know, we're, we're talking about overall 80% cure rate, but if you talk about for all cancers, yeah. for yeah, leukemias, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. For leukemias, you're looking at 90 to, to, to 95. I see. And so there's certain things that you're going to, you're hitting a plateau, but there's certain ones that are certain types of really aggressive cancers that are still only 50%. I see. So, so it depends guys, on the cancers yeah. and how it, of course, averages out. But Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Alex, if someone wants to reach out to you, how could they reach out to you? Email me. They should. I, I give you my email to say now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, achou at montefiore.org. It's my work email. Feel free to email me. Okay. Happy to talk about whatever. All right. Awesome. Listen, I have a final segment here. Sure. Called uh, Marn's Lightning Round. Oh, goodness. Questions. Okay. I like it. <laughs> Prepare yourself. I'm ready. Are you sitting? Yes, uh, you are. Yes, I believe I am. <laughs> Keep your answers short. Yes, no, or a short answer. Let's see how you do. Right. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Every language in the world. Scale of one to ten, how good of a how good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, ten. I'm super good at secrets. <laughs> good to know. Super good. Good to know. Yes. I don't Would, say very much, that's why. Would you want to live forever? No. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Oh, this is hard. Mm. Why would you love me so much? Okay. What's your favorite car? Acura NSX. In the 2000s, not the current one, but the 2000s-ish Acura NSX. Really? Yeah, in red. In red. And and velvet red seat too? Black? No, black. Black leather seats. Got it. From one to ten, how hot do you like your shower water? Eight. What's the most boring thing ever? Ever. I think, listen to me talk. 
Um, no, I wouldn't say that, but you know, <laughs> I see what you're saying. What's the most delightful word you can think of? Steak. <laughs> Your greatest achievement? Making the decision, having the guts to ask my wife to marry. Oh, I hope she's listening. She's not. She's in that room. <laughs> and what do you think people notice most about you? That I'm quiet. I don't talk. I talk to you. Talk but to they don't you talk. I don't know. After this episode, I'm not a talker. I don't know. I don't know. You did some pretty good talking. I'm not a talker. Alex, thanks for joining. I really appreciate no it. Thank you. It's been you, great. Rich. I'm very informative. Real, real heartwarming to hear some of the, the help you're, you're helping these young kids with. So thank you. No problem, yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Health Careers with Dr. Martin. I really enjoyed talking with Alex and his career as a pediatric oncologist here in New York City. And I really appreciate how he shared how he helps not only the patient, but the families as they get through these difficult times. To learn more about this guest and other past guests, or if you'd like to reach out to me, visit healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Catch you on the next episode.